Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at NoClutchNate. And my name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And today we're talking about minute number 14 of Zack Snyder's Justice League. This minute is going to start with the, the villagers of this Icelandic town starting to sing. Uh, as Aquaman mysteriously vanishes into the Icelandic waters. And the minute is going to end with Martha Kent very somberly looking uh, down at the ground at something. I don't know what she's looking at, but she's she, she's bummed. She is bummed out big time Martha. A lot of sadness in this minute. A lot of people being sad. Yeah. Uh, and it's so weird because I never really see... I don't... Um, hmm just goes back to the whole mythical beings and everything like that sadness doesn't isn't at the top of my mind especially when they're singing this song i know that it's a sad song i know that it's somber um but it doesn't carry that effect of sadness at least not the same as just the next following scene i understand yeah. what is happening and like the whole denial and, and everything which it is a sad bummer downer moment but uh the song kind of, I don't want to say takes away, but it uh, it doesn't overshadow it by the somberness. Somberness? I, I think, uh, yeah, somberness is, is a, definitely a good term for it. We spoke a little bit about it on Monday when we were talking about our parents watching Zack Snyder's Justice League for Easter. Uh, and uh, I guess for, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of mourning in this movie you know, from... Mm -hmm. You know, Victor's perspective, uh, from Lois Lane's perspective, Martha Kent's perspective, Batman, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's a lot of mourning. It's a, it's a very um, up from the darkest places. You know, the last movie was the Dawn of Justice. Things are very dark in this universe. Um, and this now, wait, movie aren't things supposed to be darkest before the dawn? Batman yeah, told me that it was. It is. Things are the darkest now. And Harvey it Dent told me that. Sorry. I guess you could call this movie Dawn of Justice, um, but you know, we come we come up on top, and you know, you have that iconic shot at the end of the movie where Batman crawls out of the um, the power plant uh, structure where mm -hmm. Steppenwolf Su is, Superman is helping him up. Yeah, yeah, Superman helps him up. It's a very literal translation, a, a metaphor of you We're know, bringing you out of this hole. Yeah, Superman's humanity saved uh, Batman. Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Yes. And so that's a very literal metaphor right there uh, to basically what this movie is about, uh, uh, which is, you know, crawling from the wreckage, if you will. Hey. And so this song, um, this song really helps with that. And it really helps. We won't talk too much about Martha Kent today because, you know, there's a lot more stuff that we'll talk about with her on Friday's episode, tomorrow's episode. Um, but for this one, since we do get a few seconds of her before the minute ends, this song helps you understand the tone of that. Because um, I'm about to ask you, Nate, what your initial reaction was to this minute right here. Because I'm sure a lot of people had a big emotional reaction to this. Uh, hopefully good. It was for me. But um, <laughs> if, you, if you don't understand what is happening in this minute, the next scene with Martha Kent explains that sadness which is weird because normally the music 
I know See, what you're trying to say. It's supposed you, to add something that's just not being what's not being shown or told yeah. on screen. And you were just saying that like, oh, yeah. I didn't get sadness from the music. But then mm-hmm. when you look at the Martha Kent with the music over top of it, then you're like, oh, sadness. now it's sad. Like it's yes. a sad song. It's a Good very transition. sad song. It's, a, it's yeah. a transitioning song into sadness. Transitioning songs into yeah. sadness. There we go. Um, so, yes. Nate, my how first, uh, what's your reaction? What is your reaction to... What is known as Vizur Vitensanda Rosu. Um, my reaction is it's great. I like it, but it still goes back. I'm, you know, beating it like a drum. These characters are depicted as mythical creatures, as gods, as this just otherworldly beings. I don't know if that's the right term, but these mm-hmm. bigger, larger than life idols. When I first saw this, I immediately thought of ritualistic. Um, Especially thinking that this is a person, the Aquaman is a god who comes up from the water out of nowhere uh, to these remote places and then helps people in need. You know, we saw Superman flying over top of houses that were getting flooded. We saw him go to Mexico on De Los De La Muerta. Like, we all saw these things where they are gods. When I saw this and hear this song, it seems very ritualistic. Um... I can see this whole town doing the same song, if not another version of it, when he's coming up from the water. And them, like, you know, putting flower petals or something on the ground as he's walking up. You know, things like that. I got extreme faith from this moment, from this minute, um, Mm -hmm. from just the regular people. You know, they see the Aquaman as their savior, and they're singing to him. I didn't get much sadness. I, I can see it, and I can see it in the girl's voice uh, who's singing, and then obviously in the Martha Kent scenes. But just at its face value as this song being sung to Aquaman as he leaves, I don't feel sad. I get, like, I don't I don't know what the word, longing, maybe that's the word. Uh mm. So it's not as like an affectionate. Yeah, it's it's more affectionate than than um, a song of love. Yeah, rather than, than sadness. Than, than a song of loss is what I kind of hear when I think of songs about sadness. It's not really a, as much of loss as it is of uh, we'll meet again kind of kind of deal. That's yeah, it's very close to it. It really is. It is a little bit of both. And of... this is me not knowing the song. I don't know what the words are saying. You know it. Yeah. You know it as yeah, a York I'll... song. I don't know. No, know. it's not a Bjork song, but I am, <laughs> for those, uh, I am a huge Bjork fan. I, I love Bjork. Oh, 10 out of 10. Anything with Bjork in it, I'm in. I'm in. Let's, let's talk about Bjork. But yeah, when I first uh, experienced this moment, or really, you know, the first time it was the, the reaction of, oh, this, this is like a mythological, ritualistic, mm-hmm. godlike deity thing that's happening. Um, you know initial reaction was like oh this is a very Zack Snyder thing you know it it hit me like as we were watching it together for the first time like oh this this is the Snyder cut this is the Zack Snyder's Justice League we're finally seeing it it like it hit me like on all cylinders where I was like this scene right here this minute right here is like this this is the thing studios were like yeah that's gotta go. And, and I've heard other people talk about it on podcasts. Where they're like, "We could go with do without the song." And I'm like, "You probably sure, could. If yes. it's, I'm sure you can." But yes, you are setting the tone for the entire character as the character, as this god. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure really. this was the very first thing. 
when they were like, hey, we got to make it shorter. I'm sure they looked at this and they said, it was like, that has take, to go. Yeah, take that Get song Get that out. thing out of there. We don't want that. <laughs> we want... It's a bummer. You um, want, yeah, it, you know, you're out of your mind. Bruce Wayne dips into the water. Done. Deal. He yeah. said, he said, no, let's move on. You're out of your mind. Bruce Wayne. This is extra. warming joke. Awesome. Yeah. This is, this is extra, but this is, this is, this is the Zack Snyder stuff that I like to see. Not just Zack Snyder's, uh, you know, filmmaking or storytelling, but also stuff that I'd love to see in, uh, it's kind of like these superhero stories of of, of modern mythology yes, that, I, that, that we've grown to love in Man of Steel and of Wonder course. Woman and the other way that they introduced Wonder Woman in Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Like, take away the marketing. Take away the fact that you know who Aquaman is, like Jason Momoa. Who? and And really try to, like, wrap your head around the fact that you were supposed to see this three years ago or four years ago. Like we are, we're in that burden of having seen the other movie. Now four years later, we're seeing this, and so this looks even more extra and out of place than ever before. But if we had seen this as intended, you know, back and then when the other, and then the reverse, to, we'd be like, oh, why'd they cut that out? Yeah, we would be <laughs> like, this would be our first. Uh, this is our first exposure to Jason Momoa as Aquaman, and they're doing this bit right here. This would be like, oh, we've gotten the mythological Superman from Krypton and we've gotten the mysterious Wonder Woman from the photograph. And then you have this Aquaman, this, this man from the sea introduced with like this, you know, Icelandic uh, poem like that, that to me um, just really hits home. It hits me in my core because I, I love stuff like this in any kind of storytelling. I said it, in the first week with the death of Superman, that when you see the cry of Superman as he dies and it awakens the mother box and you see it like in Atlantis as it pulsates through the ocean, that there there's stuff like that that reminds me of like Tokusatsu films, which is like Japanese special effects movies like Godzilla and Ultraman and Justice Risers, all kinds of uh stuff like that it just seems like some super special effects film and i'm all for it i'm here i'm here for all that stuff this reminds me of those things as well because this reminds me of the king shisa uh song from godzilla versus mechagodzilla the 1974 film where um you have a woman who sings to a deity king sisha to awake king sisha to help godzilla fight mechagodzilla from that's the big lion the big lion. I know yeah. what you're talking yeah. about. Oh, it feels good when I know when yeah. you're talking about Godzilla. So when she has that, and you know, that's another thing. When people saw that movie originally, there's a lot of people who laugh at that. They're annoyed by it. They might skip it. It's annoying. But now, like, to me, it was like, oh, that's the good stuff right there. I yeah, love it. How are you going to, I mean, when we were growing up, we were watching Power Rangers. And the Mo Fogan Green Ranger would bring out his cool-ass flute play that zombie and the damn mech would come out of the ocean like we know these ritualistic things for calling upon these gods it just fits it's the formula is already there i love it i love it this this was one of those moments where i seeing this movie for the first time and seeing this scene i went instant like love at first sight and i know a lot of people do not like it it's just it's it really also reminds me of a lot of Sucker Punch a lot because that that yeah. also kind of has that vibe to it here. There's I was going to of, ask you a question. Yeah, go for it. 
are there other forms of this ritualistic nature in Zack Snyder's other movies? Pause. Follow up. I think in Dawn of Justice, Batman training to go kick Superman's ass is a form of ritualistic behavior. Him just pumping iron, throwing weights around, pushing tires, hammering tires, I should say. That's him being the crazy person that he is, psyching himself up to go fight a god, to go fight the sun god. Like, I mean, you that's. You also have Superman who visits the Cairn to talk to Joseph Kent in the mountains before he goes and, and comes back. Because, you know, he had just dealt with the Capitol hearing and the bombing and everything. He's called Joseph Jonathan Kent. Why did I say Joseph? He's a Joseph. Because it's his father. Honestly, easiest mistake on the book. Yeah. I don't know why I said Joseph. Jonathan because he's Kent. Christ, apparently. Yeah. Pa Kent. That's a lot easier. Just call him Pa Kent. There you go. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of these like ritualistic things that they do. I mean, even in this movie, you have uh, uh, Flash doing all his yoga poses before yes, he does absolutely. all his crazy stretching magic. Yeah. You know, just stuff like that. And... Uh, I love this. I love this minute. I think it's fantastic. I'm glad I got to I get to see it. Um, whether you know there would have been a cut where it's not in there, I totally understand why it's cut. This is for me, and I'm loving it. it oh doesn't, yeah. It it makes the film that much more of a masterpiece to me. But it I don't think it's um, you know if someone else doesn't like it, I understand, um, or that it, it can be cut. I think it's fantastic. Let me give you a little bit of details on this. So, Mr. Vatsenda Rosu is a Icelandic traditional Icelandic song. It was written in, um, like in like the lyrics themselves were written, you know, like in the 1800s, very old stuff. Um, but then it actually was, you know, arranged into a traditional lullaby in the 1960s, I believe by you know when icelandic poems were getting all the rage yeah so but the original lyrics were written by rosa uh good moons dotir and then the icelandic woman who's singing this song in this movie is salome gunnar dostir and then not to be confused with the uh, composer of the joker film by todd phillips hildur gunnar dotir so a lot of a lot of uh, familiar Icelandic uh, surnames here, but uh, she wrote these lyrics. I don't know. The poet was alive seventeen ninety five to eighteen fifty five, but then the song that we are familiar with now, written in the nineteen sixties, and I think about the second time I watched this movie, I, I really got that Bjork vibe because I was like, oh, this sounds like something Bjork would. Uh, you know, it just reminded me. But that's me a you lot reading of... the lyrics. You saying like these sound like Bjork lyrics. No, just the uh, just listening to the song. Okay. And sure enough, Bjork has done a cover of this um, song. It was even on her uh, "Possibly Maybe" single, mm-hmm. um, which is fantastic. I love "Possibly Maybe." I think it's my favorite song by her, to be honest. Um, but when "Possibly Maybe" was released on, on a single, it, it does include a cover of this song by Bjork. So definitely worth checking out. There's a lot of different covers of this song. Absolutely amazing. But let me give you a quick breakdown of the lyrics. They only um, cover about the first three verses of this song. And... What was the second verse same as the first? 
Got him. The first part, I'm gonna let you. I, I'm. You're lucky. I'm distracted here, Nate. <laughs> so for let me let me read you just <laughs> what they sing here in this in this movie. So my eyes and your eyes, oh those beautiful stones. Mine is yours and yours is mine. You know what I mean. A long time ago, I saw him. He was truly beautiful. All that could adorn one man. Most of the people carried him. I am the most sad of men, tired of tears flooding. Oh, that we had never seen each other, dear good friend. That's that's uh, a that's, that's all. Yeah, it is. It is about you know. It's about missing someone, and then them like hoping that they come back. Um, the rest of the the song goes a little like this. It's like I did not look like anyone. Um, yeah, I did not look like anyone like him. Alms moved the heart. One God knows I loved him of all the field of my heart. Although frozen hot geysers cover valleys and glaciers, stones talking in all, what is, I will never forget you. Tears touch the tears clear, guaranteed in split pieces. My heart is sore, betrayal is hard to endure. Ever I know your flower, kindness at the edge of the horizon. Good luck, my, I am not going to pronounce that. What is that? Good luck, my long fjord in Iceland. I don't know what that that means. More beautiful, all the lands. So I'm guessing a fjord is something. I know what fjord is. It's a, well, it's like a land. So I'm yeah, guessing uh, like a big plain. You're like uh, suggesting that they're like a monument of some sort. Sure. Like like a yeah. And then the last part is I remember our previous meeting. Ancient though love reigned. Now it's like a hound dog met on a spruce branch i know that song <laughs> you ain't nothing but a that's where elvis got the inspiration elvis think... got the inspiration from iceland duh. yeah he got it from yeah elvis Presley he was like pulled the fast one over everybody's eyes everybody was thinking that he was hanging out in hawaii no yeah. elvis was in iceland come on yeah not yeah this is how this is how it goes, man. It's such a beautiful moment. Just a beautiful. I think what throws people off is the sweater part. I think I, some- I I think what throws people off is just the song itself. Um, because maybe the understanding of the ritualistic nature just isn't hitting, and I think it just feels like why are they singing? What's, what's like, what's the song? Here? And then, of course, on top of that, is I don't understand what they're saying. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's things like that where it's it's I think the main part of people saying like, what the hell was that? The song kind of comes out of left field. But so does a man who lives in the ocean, you know, like <laughs> there's a lot of things that I find weird that that throw people off into like a um, oh, I can't meet the movie there. And that's the the aspect ratio, the four three aspect ratio, run times being another thing, and then the third thing is something that's not English, and whether it has subtitles or not, a lot of people are just they can't cross that bridge. I can't watch a movie that has subtitles that's not in English. Mm-hmm. You know, 
How am I supposed to read it and look at the screen at the same time? Yeah, there's. Uh, how am I supposed to watch a movie with the widescreen bars on the sides instead of up top? Like, when, okay, like, when we were talking about watching with our parents, I had to explain my mom and literally had to pause the movie and like cover my hand on the screen. Yeah. And be like, if it was like this, this wouldn't be here. Now it's like this. And she's like, oh, yeah, okay. I'm like, you remember. You you saw the TVs first when they did it. You remember buying widescreen stuff. Come on, mom. Um, yeah, I, I, we, yeah. It's uh and and I'm glad people are doing comparison videos now where they show the different uh scenes mm-hmm. and now people are seeing how much more footage is in this version cuz I think a lot of people are like oh they cut off the they cut they're cutting off footage it's like no this is all the footage this is a mm-hmm. whole camera it's a it's yeah. a square thing that's the it's, whole film yeah. yeah uh if it was shot digitally then you could you know you could shoot in the aspect ratio that you want the finished product mm-hmm. to be in but these are these are all IMAX cameras. These are all Leica cameras uh, or Leica cameras. Um, this is the good stuff. You're getting all of it. And it's it's things like that. Runtime, aspect <laughs> ratio, subtitles. That skull. That's the stuff that I don't understand. Uh, Scott Corelli said it best where he was like, people need to meet movies where they are and not try to have movies meet them where they are. Because oh, yeah, it's like, absolutely. That's when you're going to really enjoy the movie is like, Yes, your version of the Justice League movie wouldn't have an Icelandic woman singing a, a ancient hymn to Aquaman as if he were a deity. No, but Zack Snyder did, and you mm-hmm. have to be like, "That's that's the story this man is telling, and I'm about it." You have to be, otherwise, you can't enjoy it. Yeah, and you never will enjoy it. So you have to give into it. Um, I learned that the hard way with Godzilla versus Kong. It wasn't the movie I was expecting, but over time, I'm like, "Hey, this is the movie," and it does a good job of being what it what it wants to be, which is just good old bombastic monsters fighting and mm-hmm. a silly story. But then there are those things like um, Jun Fukuda and Masaru Sato who did uh, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, and they said, we're going to get completely crazy with it, and it's going to be a great time. And, and, you know, there's other stories like that. So I love when other storytellers take those intellectual properties and tell the stories that they want to tell. It's absolutely such a good time. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I really do love this minute. I think it's fantastic. I think this is one of my favorite moments in the movie. Still. I do as Yeah. I, I agree. This times. is, this is, like I said, I say it broken record. It's, this really solidifies the fact that they are these, godlike deity creatures mm-hmm. um i mean even if you want to throw in ancient ethereal music or whatever the wonder woman dialogue says when the music starts playing that right there is still hey this is a god oh you hear the you hear the sounds oh you hear the music the, she's a she's a demigod like it, it just fits it all it all works within itself one other thing that i really like about this minute and i was telling you i don't think it happened in the last minute is that it starts to snow after Mm -hmm. aquaman leaves and i don't know like the changing of weather to me that always feels like a thing that should be bigger um especially when like i don't know i get it a lot from zelda you know you play the song of storms starts raining it's cool it's it's just like the it, it changes the tone completely um you know, if you added rain here, I'm sure that would probably be even more shove it down your throat. This is supposed to be sad. Yes. Uh, yeah. But you know, rain is always the first choice. They're always yeah. like, oh, it's got to rain. 
It's kind of like, well, it's snow because, you know, it is raining, but it's, it's just raining and it's really cold. Yeah, so I just snowing. think it's... <laughs> I just think it's really cool that uh, the snow is just there. Like after he is gone and he's left, it's like, I don't know. It's, I want to say like the sun coming out of the clouds, but it's like the opposite where it's, it's, uh, uh, you know, the tone, the tone just changes. Um, And it just fits very well uh, with Aquaman's answer to Batman of, you know, telling him, no, you're out of your mind, Bruce Wayne yada 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 uh i'm not about this and batman seems very distraught and uh just you know ultra bummed out uh couldn't care less about anything else that's happening around him his business that he went there to do is done and he exits stage left um just the snow the light snow i think is a good touch it's nice to see that like as Batman exits the scene, she walks forward. Like, he's walking away. She's walking towards the sea. And I don't know if we talked about this the first time we were watching. It was definitely one of the, I think, one of the first times we had spoken while the movie was playing. And this is only, like, 15 minutes into the movie, mm-hmm. and this is happening. And, uh, you know, right away we were all like, oh, it's like a, you know, like a, a siren. siren song. Yeah. Siren singing to the Aquaman, this, this, this mythological thing mm-hmm. as, it, as it returns to the sea. And uh, now we came about that doing, so easily. Yes. Yeah. Do other people? That's the question. Do like we get that. And I don't know if that's just because we're in that mindset or is that just a, a, a show of good storytelling? I mean, you still got people who think of, um, you still got people who, who, who are just ready to dunk on this director and, and this franchise and this, this, this saga of movies because it's, it's not what they want. And it's the whole thing with this random girl singing and then she smells Aquaman's shirt like the the jokes are there, primed, ready to go. People are ready to dunk on this movie. So you and I are just like soaking it all in, being like, "Yes, yes, this and that." And then you got people who are like, "That's awful. That's awful." Quick to dismiss things. Um, so yeah, that's why I was saying, like, for us, it's it's easy because we have been ready for this. Um, but for some people, they might be like, "What is this nonsense?" And it's not nonsense. It's like it's it's nonsense to you because you're not trying to comprehend. Yeah. What, what's going on here? I mean, this woman, the whole village has, they're doing this every time he comes here. Yeah. Because he rarely comes here because they rarely have support and he helps them. So for them to see this happening, mm-hmm. this is something they feel like they, they, they can't owe him anything. They can't give him anything because they have nothing to give, but they will sing and love him now and, and praise him. I have a question. Go for it. How often do you think he's coming up to this island? Because they explain it. They explain it? Mm-hmm. All right, well, he leaves his clothes there, and then he's got the same clothes at the end of the movie. So obviously he went back to Iceland and be like, I got to go grab my jacket. How often does a king tide come this way? I don't remember what they said. Well, that it's the only way he comes here. It's when the king tide, and that's the only, the well. Now, is he is the king tide something that's a part of the ocean, or is Aquaman making the king tide? No, he comes with it. He doesn't have hydrokinesis, like no, Mira do, does. Do what now? Yeah, 
Well, apparently Volkel has hydrokinesis too because he does it in this movie. But um, is hydrokinesis waterbending? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Um, so that's why later on when Alfred says no luck then, and then the voyage stands at not for two, it's, he's like, can we next time, can we wait for the King Tide in like Jamaica or something yeah. like that? Yeah. yeah, yeah the King yeah, yeah. Tide is here. So he's come, he's, you know, Aquaman is taking the King Tide cause it's, it's connected this remote village. And now that it's the only accessible way to get in, he can come up this way and he can help them out. And then when the King Tide resides, then, you know, it'll be cut off again. So these, um, that's the only time these people can, can get support. Uh, so I looked up what a King Tide was. I had no idea. Um, I thought it was, again, just something ritualistic about the Aquaman showing up to this island. And he mm-hmm. just, you know, the, the type that he, anyway, King Tide, a King Tide is a especially high spring tide, especially the peregrine spring tides, uh, which occur three or four times a year. King Tide is not a scientific term, nor is it used in the scientific context. <laughs> nah, so un- it is completely a, mythical. Like it's just, well, it's, it's just it, a tale. It's a tall tale. not scientific, but I'm sure in some nautical sense it is like, that's, that's just uh yeah it's uh, just the highest tides of the year what so. is it like uh street knowledge but it's like sea knowledge you know it's <laughs> that, that nautical street code <laughs> nautical knowledge yeah so it's uh it's, it's it's good stuff i really do enjoy it i i just this whole scene the bruce batman coming to this village and locating the aquaman and finding him here and then having this to end it this makes the whole scene in a new perspective for me versus, you know, it, it really helps me get out of that mindset of seeing the other movie and then seeing this movie and, and trying to compare and contrast. In my mind, seeing it for the first time, I wish I had seen this for the first time. And there's a lot of people who are watching this for the first time without having seen the other movie. And I, I'm so jealous of them because I wish I could experience this like all in that sense. I wish I could experience a movie without marketing. That would be fantastic without knowing that Batman's going to come here to this village without knowing that, you know, Jason Momoa plays Aquaman and that he looks like that. And, you know, at the end of the film, he's supposed to be Aquaman, that he has his own movie. I wish I could just watch a movie and just be like, okay, well, there's Batman from the last movie. What's he looking for? He finds this village and he's this guy looks different why does he look different from the rest of them why is he super strong why is he you know okay so this is another metahuman and then this song comes in and it says more than just a metahuman to them he's a, a god a protector and i wish i could experience a movie that way instead of just being like okay well that's the aquaman you know and writing it off as such and that's the way i wish i could reconfigure my brain when it comes to storytelling Instead of like having my mind made up about things and then wondering why the story is diverging from my already made up mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm thinking, I'm reading here that king tides apparently occur in January. They occur when the sun, moon, and the earth are all aligned. Perigree and perihelion uh, sections are something. It would make sense. I saw something about January. Now, I was trying to think of the timeline between Dawn of Justice mm-hmm. being in what we thought was October, November, mm-hmm. and then six weeks after the fact. Yeah. 
So, so yeah, January. Oh my God! So that matches up perfect. It says early January, January second. Yeah. Does that match up perfectly? Yes, Holy yeah. shit! Because you had what uh, the the Black Zero event happened in uh, in like the summertime, and then it was eighteen months later. So that mm-hmm. put it like a year, and then six fall. months into like the fall time, and then that's the death of Superman. You roll six more weeks, and that's when you have. Um, the beginning of this movie where he's locating them and you take early January and you have the King tide here in Iceland and everything seems on track. It's very good stuff. I like the timetable. It's very, it's very fitting. It's, it's working out for us. <laughs> it makes you think that people actually put time and thought and effort into when and where things are supposed to be happening and taking place. And you can't just call out something saying like, Oh, that's a King tide. But then, you know, it's, I don't know. Yeah, a summertime. You know what I mean? It's like things like that where it's like, hey, you you got it, you know? <laughs> yeah, the time period doesn't exist anymore. You can do whatever you want with it. No, that's... And that just annoys me, you know? If you're saying that it's noon and you go outside and it looks like it's 5 p.m., I'm going to notice. Yeah. Man, I do love this minute. I don't even know uh, what else to say because I, I think that's, you know, the way that this bleeds into. And again, this whole minute is the the song Viser Vasenda Rosu and we only get five seconds of Martha Kent. Mm-hmm. Um so you get fifty five seconds of an Icelandic song. Yeah, and there was some of it in the last minute too, but we decided to save it for today. And uh it's it's almost a solid minute on its own. And man, what a minute. What a what a lot of lot of good stuff. Beautiful yeah. stuff. Beautiful wardrobe on all the villagers. I was going to say, they got some pretty sweet sweaters in that group. Everyone is rocking a beautiful sweater. I mean, it might be, it actually kind of looks kind of designer. I wish I had a sweater as nice as them. Maybe Aquaman brings them clothes, you know? Yeah. He goes to Lomans and brings them, yeah, yeah. <laughs> brings them a stack. He's like, hey, I got y'all threads. It looks, y'all look preem in this. Uh, hey man, I just got this sound system. It fell off the truck. It still got the serial number. Do you want it? Maybe he's every time he takes off his clothes and jumps in the water, they keep the clothes, and that's like giving them their own wardrobe. Like it, they hold on to it. Oh, uh, so all have, those clothes are Aquaman's clothes. Yeah, Even the everyone. Kids. <laughs> the whole village is wearing Aquaman's clothes. They all just like they've garnered them over time. That's uh, funny. So they got the they got the Arthur Curry collection going on there. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something about Batman's parka as well the other day because he has mm-hmm. a really nice, really nice parka that I really like. And so does she. I, I, I love that green color uh, parka that she's wearing and that scarf. Um, nothing looks like homemade. It all looks like designer stuff. Mm-hmm. And that, it looks really nice. That might be like, I don't know, maybe someone sees it as a criticism. I'm kind of jealous. Think, I don't know if this place is like that like in the sticks where they have to make their own clothing you know oh, I think they got they, like town center with the macy's in it yeah they got the yeah. macy's you know yeah. you know they got the abercrombie there or whatever icelandic clothing store i'm not gonna look one up <laughs> i wasn't yeah i was trying i was trying to even think of other clothing stores couldn't think of one yes. uh what was that one uh rei coop co-op coop what's that hiking one that everyone goes to you know oh what I'm about? yeah, I know what you're it's talking about. It's full of just expensive Patagonia yeah. jackets and stuff like that. That's what they yeah. got there. This is just, they just went to the North Face uh, outlet. There center. you go. And now just we're getting closer to what we need to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, let's go ahead and wrap it up 
for today because we are going to talk a little bit more about Martha Kent tomorrow. Uh, but you got, if you guys enjoyed everything you heard, you can find us on all social media at DCEU Minute and the Facebook group, the DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society, where you could join us to talk about today's minute or any minutes that you guys are catching up on. We'll catch you guys tomorrow for minute number 15 of Zack Snyder's Justice League.